Hello, and welcome back to the Wishing You Well podcast, where we help you navigate your wellness journey each and every week. I'm Amy Albero. And I'm Catherine Van Eyck. We're both licensed therapists. And today, talking to you about acupuncture, we have a special guest, Dr. Andrea Orvieto. Andrea is on a mission to solve the tricky problems of fertility and women's health-related issues. With her doctorate of acupuncture and Chinese medicine, she has dedicated her career to improving the lives of countless women and men, empowering them to live the lives they dream of as mothers, as survivors, and as thrivers in her South Florida practice. Whether it's a woman with a lifelong struggle with PCOS, uterine fibroids, or endometriosis, a person plagued by headaches and hormonal dysfunction, a young girl with irregular periods, or a hopeful mother and father desperate to bear a child, Andrea sees all of her patients as a whole person or couple in need of healing. She does a lot, and we're going to talk to her about it, and this conversation is going to be amazing. Yes, so excited. Living, living, and well, life is put together. We feel it. So welcome, Andrea. We're so happy to have you here. Thank you. And we would just love if you could kind of go over and introduce yourself, tell our listeners who you are, a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. So I'm Dr. Andrea Orvieto. I'm a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese medicine, and I own a clinic here in South Florida in Hollandale Beach, Florida, near Aventura. And my practice is Sofla Acupuncture and Wellness. And I currently, well, not currently, I have been focusing on women's health and specifically fertility all the way through conception and postpartum and and as well as perimenopause, menopausal and all of that. And I, I also treat pain and anxiety and sleep disorders as well. But I would say about 80% of my practice is fertility, whether it's men or women. And I absolutely love what I do. So, yeah. Wow. Amazing. Yeah, you do it all. (laughs) We're so excited to to have you here today talking with us about one, one little portion of what you do, which is the fertility side of things. But I would, you know, we, we talk about, you know, as, as being people that are in helping professions and that, of course, like us taking care of ourselves, um, is so important. We're kind of our greatest tool, um, that we use in our work with people. And so self care is such a big part of what we, what we do, what helps keeps us well. And so we love to, um, check in each week, Catherine and I, and with our guests about about self care, what that looks like currently, what that looks like for you, um, and whether that's something maybe smaller, appetizer size, that's you know drinking water, getting you know some fresh air, something a little bit more hearty, like a, a main course, like a, I don't know. Sometimes it's going to therapy or spending time with friends and family, or maybe sometimes it's a treat, like going. Uh, somewhere special, getting a massage, things like that. Or sometimes it's kind of a, a full three course meal. You really need, you need a lot. Maybe that's a trip or, um, or really blocking off time for yourself throughout a weekend or something like that. So, you know, what, what does self-care look like for you in this season of life? This season is, of life is, uh, is pretty busy yeah. because I, own my own clinic and I have a six month old and I also have a 
almost three-year-old. And so right now, self-care looks a little bit different than it used to, but I still really try to have some type of a balance, understanding that it may not look like what I envisioned it as. So something that is important to me is making sure that this time around after having a baby is making sure that I have some home cooked meals. Mm -hmm. And I, because after my first son, we did a lot of frozen meals and I just didn't feel well. And so this time I really focused on that and having home cooked meals available And also I block off some time. We do have part-time help at home. My older son is in school and my younger one stays home with a nanny when I'm at work and I get my nails done because I think it's important because of my profession uh, to have nails that look nice and also makes me feel good. Yesterday I did get a massage. You know, I'm, I'm currently breastfeeding. So postural wise, I'm slouched over while I'm breastfeeding. And so getting some type of body work, whether it's chiropractic care or a massage is really important to me. And it may not be weekly, but I try to fit it in at least once a month. And so, and I also, um, working out is a really huge part of my life. I've been an athlete my whole life and working out is just kind of like breathing. And I finally got back into that a more of a consistent schedule. So a little, a few things that, um, what that looks like for me. A few. Yeah, that's a lot. You're squeezing in a lot with everything that you do. I try. (laughs) I really try. Yeah. It's so well-rounded too, which is, which is great to hear. And, and I think with self-care, like self-care and self-awareness for us, like go so hand in hand, like, like you had said, like, okay, I had this experience with my first child, I, I, ha- I, this is what I learned. So this is going, this is how I'm going to be proactive um, with my, yes. with my next one. Um, and so I think that's so much of what like self-care has, has looked like for, for me, for us, for many of our um, guests has been like how to be adaptive and how to like apply like our learnings forward so that we can continue to take care of ourselves well. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important. And something to touch base on is before I, had children, I created my hours at the office that I'm physically in the office treating patients as if I had children, because I knew moving when I do, when I did have children, I did want to be, I have the, because I own my own business, one of the perks is that I can make my own hours. Mm -hmm. And so I'm physically treating patients about 14 hours a week. And that gives me a balance of being both with my baby and also being able to be with my toddler and giving that. So that was really important to me as well. And so I think that with my, I think starting that off when I opened, it allowed my patients to already get used to this is what my schedule is. And not when I have a child, then I have to like either sacrifice something that I wasn't really willing to sacrifice or change it and have really angry patients. And so there, there was that being proactive as well. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a, and that's a great way to look at uh, obviously your life transition and how that was going to change and everything, but also like what was, what was going to work for you, what was going to work for you and your family and, 
and for you and your and your self-care like we're talking about. Yeah. So it it was really important. That's and and it's worked out very well be, um because I'm able to fit in time for myself and time for my my husband and for my children as a, as a family. So and that's very important even if it's not alone self-care, it still fills my cup up in that way. Catherine, what about you? What is your self-care looking like these days? Well, also speaking of being adaptive. So I, I think Andrea, I told you this. I'm also, I'm pregnant. Um, I didn't know that. I, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know if I said that, but well, I am. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. How far um, along? Uh, on Saturday, I'll be 30 weeks. Oh, okay. So you're really pregnant. I'm really pregnant. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Is this your first? Yeah. It's exciting. Yes. And all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of being adaptive, and I know it's not nearly as hot as, as it is down where you are right now, up where I am, but it's hot. <laughs> Especially being pregnant. It's really hot. And in the um, summer. Yeah. It's summer. And uh so a, a huge part of my self-care is getting some daily walks in and and getting getting myself outside. Um but to be honest, I really don't want to go outside, especially if the um, if it's super, super hot and it's the only time I can walk is the middle of the day, then um, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> it's not happening. But I do have uh, a walking pad that I, I brought up on this podcast before that I was using in the winter pretty heavily because also not not a great time to, <laughs> to be outside. So I'm flipping that now and turning my AC on and can I hop on my walking pad later? And that is my self-care main course for the day, for sure. It's making sure I still get those steps in, even if they're inside. Yeah, that's good. I know movement's so important to you. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now. I mean, walking is so good and getting these, uh, certain stretches in is so good for where I'm at. So gotta do it. That's so exciting. I, I I think that it's, it's really important when you're pregnant to respect where you are in the pregnancy. And we have these ideas of like, when you're pregnant, I'm going to be working out. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to be one of those fit moms. Like if that's what you do and I'm not going to gain this weight and then pregnancy just like motherhood is it, it brings up things that you never anticipated. And one of the biggest things was surrendering and like letting go of the control mm -hmm. and being okay with where you, where I was and like where you are. And I speak to my patients and in that way, and just really being present with, with that and not pushing yourself. If you don't want to, you don't feel up to it. You're, you're growing a human. And that's a really big task. There was a study done that they took, I think it was in the UK that they, they compare, it was either in the UK or Australia. I don't remember. So don't quote me, but uh, that they compared high endurance athletes with, um, with pregnant women 
And high endurance athletes, they their heart rate, uh, I can't even remember right now, but peaked, you know, at their highest performance for a short period of time. And then it would drop when they would recover. And they showed that women that are pregnant, it's sustained at that higher rate for the nine months. Wow. So essentially, even though we don't we may not feel it or it may not look like it, we're performing at a very high level of performance because our bodies are working on overtime. And so it's a huge task that your body is doing. It's amazing. It is. It is amazing. And I think that I wasn't prepared for the mental challenge. I think that that's been the biggest thing for sure throughout the last 30 weeks is is the mental, the mental game, the the mental toll it takes on you. Sure. Absolutely. Well, how about you, Amy? How's your self-care? Yeah, it's been pretty good. There's been a lot of like changes and transitions in the last, you know, couple of weeks that um, for me who tends to like love control, um, you know, I've had to try to surrender in a different way and just kind of roll, roll with whatever was coming. And so I feel like a little bit more, um, even, even keeled a little bit more balanced this week. And so I've been really trying to like lean into that and and think about areas of like my overall well-being that I haven't been pouring that much into and and a, a huge piece of that for me is like my friendships, my social relationships um that and you know adult friendships are really hard to maintain and in general but you know for me that that can be one of the things that like takes a backseat to work and family and all of that stuff. And so I've just been leaning a lot more into my friendships this this last week and um and like really trying to be a present friend, um say yes to to like going out, um those kinds of things. And it it really ha- I'm more of an introvert, so like I always worry that when I go out I'll feel so depleted after, but it never happens. Like I am so energized. Um it is so much for my like overall sense of wellness like when i do lean into like my my friendships and just laugh and and all of that stuff so that that's what i've been really focused on this this past week is is like cultivating and growing and pouring into those relationships for self-care amazing i mean i know that when you get really busy i mean when when anybody gets busy you it's it can be so easy to just turn inward and just feel like the world's kind of closing in on me. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make an effort to to even alleviate some of these things, especially in a more social setting. So that's great that you are turning to those things that you know are filling you up in in that way. Even even though it's kind of more of a more of a challenge to do so. Yeah, yeah. It's been it's been good, and we we hope that um, as as the three of us have been checking in with self care that our you our listeners are also checking in with self care and that you know being adaptable being being flexible is such a big piece of it um and self care can change week to week so continue to check in with with your self care but andrea for you you know so with self care it's like of course one piece of of well-being or wellness and so we'd love to kind of learn learn from you from your perspective what what living a well life or or what wellness looks like for you in your life, what your view on that is. Personally, or like with what I speak to uh, Either patients way. about or all of the above. All um, of the above. That's a, you know, that's a really great question because we, we think of well-being and wellness as um, 
maybe what we look physically like or, you know, weight or, you know, how fit you are. And I think that as your life seasons change, that looks a little bit different. And I, you know, I can personally say my, I feel my most well self when I am when I'm active and when I am I I also I'm I'm an extrovert but I also feel that there's times that being an extrovert you don't recognize when you need your battery to be recharged so um being able to say no to things that you all kind of opposite of of you is like being able to say no to things because it's spreading yourself too thin and i've been a little a little bit better at saying no to things because i i don't know whether it's because i'm a people pleaser. I had been a people pleaser. I just don't want to let people down. Um, But recognizing that when I was saying yes to everything, my anxiety, and I don't find myself to be a very anxious person, my anxiety level would kind of, um, I would feel physical response of like, oh no, what does that look like? And so um, checking in with myself is how, am I saying no? Am I saying yes to the right things? Is my battery being recharged um, with work? Is delegating things? And and I, I, I have an office manager at my office and I'm slowly starting to expand and hire. So professionally is being able to let go in the office so that um, I have more space and bandwidth for growing the business in other ways and being there for my patients. Um, and so I think for me, personally well-being is making sure that I'm checking in with myself that I'm not just showing up to a workout because I feel that I have to because I have to because it's part of my life and because it's what's expected um but that it's I really want to and that this is this is what feels good for me or going to a dinner or whatever mm-hmm. that looks like so I, I having that balance both professionally and personally is important to me and I think that I've slowly learned how to say yes, no, when is appropriate for myself. So I think that question is really great. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I I find that with my patient demographic, a lot of times because um, the more difficult cases, patients that are dealing with infertility, they cut a lot of the, I, I don't want to say self-care because I think that that's sometimes a privilege and a luxury that we don't always have access to, but more of that well-being. They're cutting a lot of things that help them be balanced. And so I try to help them at least take a little bit back of what makes them feel good and makes them feel a little bit back to themselves as well. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And that, amazing that you incorporate that into your work. I mean, I guess you, you, you in a way have to, but in another sense, you're, you're still targeting this other area of their life that isn't when they are stepping into your office. It's everything outside of that. That's important. You know, they, they, there's a lot of time things that can be taken away when somebody is struggling with fertility or, or holding on to pregnancies and, and, you know, they, they cut out 
coffee, which to me is self-care because I love the routine of coffee, having my coffee, whatever the smell of coffee. Um, they, they cut out working out. They cut out so many things because they think that, that if they do that, it's going to be negative. And if they get, it's not going to be a, um, it's not good for them mm-hmm. in the sense of getting pregnant. And so they lose a lot of like even small, m- minute things that may have used to make them happy. So I, I, you have to, it's part of the whole package. I mean, I mean you, you touched on a little bit about your work um, so far. Can you explain a little bit about how you got into this? Like why, why fertility is as like a main part of part of your work with acupuncture. Sure. Um, I wish that there was a huge elaborate story that I could share with you of why sometimes I find that the right people fall into the right path. And um, I just kind of rewinding back into my life. I got into acupuncture as a late teen in my and early 20s because I used to get reoccurring urinary tract infections. And my acupuncturist was Chinese, like straight from China, barely spoke English. So to me, it was not even I didn't even think I could get into it because I thought you had to be from China, you know, very naive. Um, and so I knew I knew that part of acupuncture would be really great for and beneficial for women's health because it helped me with my urinary tract infections. So that's kind of like the where it started and then getting into it um when i first started practicing on my own i was working at a physical therapist office and i really enjoy helping people what however way they need to be helped and pain is a big one because there's a lot of people that are in pain but i found myself not feeling um fully fulfilled just treating pain um and not just pain because People in pain need help, but you know what I mean? That that was my specialty. And so when I moved and transitioned to work out on my, in my own office and facility, I, somebody had told me like, don't get into fertility. It's too much pressure Mm. on, it's too much pressure for you because people want to get pregnant. And I get that. So at first I wasn't into fertility. And then I was recommended by somebody to for somebody to come in to help them and they were trying to get pregnant and I helped them and I was like wow this is this is something bigger and I just fell into it and I started taking a lot of continuing ed specifically in the fertility world pregnancy it, I really became interested in it learning about it why the ins the outs and all of that and that's just kind of how my practice grew and that's how I became where I am and then I started working with patients that were going through IVF IUI and working with reproductive and endocrinologists and started linking myself up with OBs and and and, and reproductive endocrinologists and gaining professional relationships with them and really falling in love with um, helping people because listen, the, the lows in my office that can come along with treating fertility and recurring pregnancy loss is, I mean, lower than you would ever want to think about. Mm -hmm. And, but the highs are euphoric. And the fact that I can be part of that with patients to help guide them through and be, help become an, a, help be an advocate for them, it's it's worth every 
low. Mm. So there's no real, re- I mean, not real reason. It just happened. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So. And it's such, I mean, truly, truly such impactful and such meaningful work. I, I can totally um, r- relate to or or what you were saying about resonating. I was resonating with like the the lows are really there and low and the the highs can be really high but the the honor the privilege it is to be with someone through their journey is is so humbling um it's it's so I, like i feel really grateful to to be able to kind of do do that work um even though it's really challenging and yeah yeah and i i, I say to my patients some of them don't get pregnant mm-hmm. or they stop their journey with me before they get pregnant, they need a break. And when when that happens, you know, I said, just thank you for allowing me to be part of this process, you know, this journey, at least this point, at, to this point. And I also find that on, on a different note is that there is not a lot of advocacy for for this. And, and now it's being spoken about a lot more. And now there are more advocates for fertil- infertility and in- and fertility challenges. And, and so I want to be that. I am that advocate for my patients because there's a lot of lingo and a lot of medical talk that most people don't truly understand. And so they're going into this journey, not anticipating having to go into this journey, and they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so I really try to help and hold my patient's hands through that, whichever, whichever direction that leads them to. You you said that like people are like, this is being advocated more and more. Are you finding, or do you know if more and more people are struggling with fertility or is it just being talked about more? I think both. I think it is being spoken about a lot more. A lot more people want to share their stories so that they can connect. And and if they can even connect with one person to show that they're not alone, that they they feel like they did their job. Like I struggled and I want to share so that you know that that there is hope and you're not the only one out there. So I think that a lot of it is being spoken about more. We, you know, we have social media now at there's 4 million different platforms that you can join. And so there's a lot of people on there. And so there's a lot of people that you can link up with and, and see their stories and follow their stories and, and all of that, which I don't think we really truly had access to, even though Instagram has been a lot around a long time and Facebook, but more and more the communities are growing. I think that's part of it. Yes. People are speaking about it a lot more. And in addition to that, I think that there are more people struggling with it for multiple reasons. I, I think that it there could be it's an environmental thing. There's a lot of pollutants and toxins in, in our environment that we've been around a lot longer. People are waiting a lot longer to have children and not to say that you can't have a child in your 30s or 40s, but we don't even check our hormone levels. It's not part of standard care to check our hormone levels to see what our fertile health is early on. So if you're 20, 21, 22, like my mom was when she had her first child, that it just happens. And like, you know, you're you're much younger in a sense of like, that 
the likelihood of you getting pregnant is going to be higher. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, growing up about abstaining, about avoiding getting pregnancy, rather the talk of what your fertile health is, what your hormones do, how to check. And if, yes, we can teach about how not to get pregnant, but I think that that's also an issue because now we're fast forward, we're waiting if you graduate high school around 18 and people used to get pregnant right, you know, shortly after, that's just a couple of years, but now we're waiting 10, 12 years, 15 years uh, to have a child and we just have an annual pap, mm-hmm. right? Instead of having hormone levels pulled and what does our ovarian reserve look like and giving options? Is it is it important at that point for that patient to have um, to freeze their eggs because maybe they their hormone levels are are looking not maybe not ideal but they're still at a point where they're young enough that their quality of their eggs are great so they can freeze them at a younger age and so i think that there's a a twofold it's it's um there's multiple answers to that and so yes it's being spoken to and yes i think more people are having difficulty Mm -hmm. well and it seems like there's so much confusing information out there too that i mean even with uh like I, I was thinking about getting pregnant last fall and i had missed a period and it had lined up with my ob annual appointment and so i was like am i pregnant <laughs> and uh I, I wasn't and she she said she said you know like if you're if you're starting to try continue to c- come back to me in a year and i was like a year and that's pretty standard no to mm-hmm. to it's Try it's one her. year if you're under 35 and it's six months really if if you're you're over or you're 35 or around there and i i think that that's i think that will change mm-hmm. i think that will change medicine and western medicine like it just takes a long time to catch up mm-hmm. but why a year like Find out now. There's so many. If everything looks great, amazing. But if there's a red flag of potential, something going on, like why not catch it then so that we can do something about it and not fast, not wait a year. Mm -hmm. And so I have I have patients that are trying to get pregnant that are anywhere from 25 years old to 43 years old, maybe a little bit older, but really in that age bracket. And even my twenty-five-year-old, my twenty-five-year-old, go get your go get your hormone levels because with that we see the greater picture. Mm-hmm. There's more to. Are you getting a, a period every month? And uh, there's more to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. You're, yeah. you're right. <laughs> well, and, and it does seem, and maybe this is, this is my own bias coming out, but like the, the, the culture of, of Western medicine is a, a little bit of like a wait to fail model. Um, and that, um, like again, delays so, so much. Um, and it doesn't actually provide with enough information. And what you, I mean, what you were saying about the amount of information that we are provided with in order to kind of prevent pregnancy, um, in proportion to like what we learn about um, uh, fertility or, or fertile health. I mean, that kind of blew my mind, just like the like the resources that are not getting 
directed toward the proact proactivity around um around just women's health in general. Um, yeah, it's it's wild to me. It is wild. In my six years of practice, and I want let's say I'm five, four and a half, five years of really focusing on fertility. I have had one patient, one patient, and I have a lot of patients and I see couples as well. I have had one patient that when she came into me, when she came into my office, she said, when I was 23 or 25, before I met my now husband, I went and I had all my hormones checked and I froze my eggs because the doctor said that I may have difficulty getting pregnant because of, she had something going on um, at that moment that I may have had difficulty. She still has frozen eggs. She got pregnant naturally. She, unfortunately, she's had a, she had a miscarriage, but then she had, after that, she had two healthy pregnancies and two babies after that and hasn't had to tap into her egg reserve. But one patient in my hundreds and of patients that I've had that have worked with fertility. Wow. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that has something to deal with her, with her parents and like, Hey, let's go. I think her father's really big into like holistic and practices and, and all of that. So they, did that. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Not everybody has to go through f freezing their eggs. It is, it's expensive. Um, it's uh, physically taxing, but at least we have an idea of what's going on. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone's listening to this now and, and knows at some point in their life, they, they would, would like to get pregnant or have that option and they want to maybe advocate for themselves a little bit more, like what should they ask for or, or who sure. should ask? I think um, to start off is going to their OB mm -hmm. and having their hormones checked. Their, their, it's through blood. Mm -hmm. Their, their fer fertility hormone or reproductive hormones checked at, at that time. It's a simple test because that'll show us at least baseline of where you are right now. We, we'll find out, they'll find out what their um, AMH is, which is the anti-malarian uh, hormone, which is gives us an idea of reserve. And, you know, I have a, a love-hate relationship because I think it's an important number, an important blood test to have, but a lot of people weighed it very heavily saying like, oh my gosh, I don't have enough, a a you know, my reserve is low, so I can't get pregnant on my own. I'm going to have to do IVF. That's not the case. We understand like you're a big puzzle. You're, you're that's just one piece. And so that I, I, that's important. Your luteinizing hormone, which is your LH, right, it surges right before your ovulation. Um, FSH, which is the follicular stimulating hormone, which is the hormone that's released to tell your um, ovaries like it's now time to ovulate. Estradiol, very prolactin. Those are very basic um tests that can be run at any time of your life that you want them at a specific time of your cycles. So you know what that looks like, but it's easy. It's a blood test. It's not an invasive surgery. Mm -hmm. So every, it should be a standard of care, a standard practice, especially if, if whether you're on the fence of, of having children or, you know, you want to have children in your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, um, <laughs> it's just like so much information that people don't know about. What about misinformation? Like what about 
the what's out there that you've noticed that people are hearing that is just so off? I think what's out there that is just so off. I think that there are people that have major platforms in social media that are not medical professionals that are spewing information that that essentially they're Googling or they have learned for them. And that is very different than a medical professional who, whether it's a Western medical professional or Eastern medical professional that you've gone to school, taking courses, learned and studied and continue to learn and study. And so I think that that is a huge downfall of social media at this point, because get it, it will can get into somebody's the wrong hands of somebody. I mean, anybody can call themselves a fertility coach, but what are their credentials and what have they studied? Um, and just like in any field, right? I think that it's important to understand your place in your in your lane and stay within that lane and find people that you can team up with to be able to refer out when it's not in your lane any longer. And so that it's a multi, it's a team effort with medical professionals and in that, that are well-versed in that field. And then if you need somebody that is, you know, it, whether it's a medical professional, like a, a medical doctor, a reproductive endocrinologist, uh, a therapist, a acupuncturist, physical therapist, a nutritionist, dietitian, but make sure they, they, they're legit and they're not just because people can say, hey, I went through infertility, so I know and now I'm going to be a fertility coach. Mm-hmm. And you can become a coach of anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, there's no licensing for it. And so I think that that's like a huge issue with misinformation in multiple subjects, not just fertility, but fertility is so specialized and it's so intricate. And if you get to somebody that is a quack, that can really screw up your, your, your potential. And it can really mess up because we're talking hormones where we're not talking like mm-hmm. um, a workout plan, not to put down workout because I think that's important. It's very difficult, but like we're talking hormones and we're talking, trying to grow a, ch- a baby in there. And so if you're getting to somebody that does not have a legitimate license and doesn't, sp- I wouldn't go to um, a, a surgeon, you know, a, gastro surgeon to do my heart surgery like Mm -hmm. mm, so be careful where you get your information from i mean there's a lot of misinformation and confusion but that's a that's going to be a major issue Mm -hmm. know your source to check your source know your source Mm -hmm. and for for people that are listening understand that anybody that has a medical license you can look them up and see if there's been any malpractice issues with them what is going on and i think that's important too because there are people that will call themselves fertility specialists maybe they're gynecologists because it's not you don't have to be a board certified reproductive endocrinologist to like do fertility specialization which is unfortunate listen i love my ob and 
and with that he respects the field and and um he will refer out once he's like reached his limit of what he knows and what he can treat but there are people that call themselves fertility specialists and like be careful where those sources are so you can look up somebody's professional license as well um and i think that's important yeah we haven't exactly <laughs> dove into your work specifically and how acupuncture is even related to fertility can you can you talk about that and i'd love to yeah yeah um so acupuncture traditional chinese medicine has been around for thousands of years and thousands of years ago they did not have access to birth control so with that being said acupuncture in chinese medicine is exceptional when it comes to women's health because a lot of the times we have to get down to the root cause of things listen i'm not against birth control i think there is a time and a place for birth control i used to be on birth control many 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 years ago um, but I think that when a teenager has um, irregular cycles or acne or bad periods, rather than just putting somebody on a pill, like figure out why, because doesn't direct birth control doesn't necessarily directly impact your fertile health, but it can mask problems. And if you're people are on birth control for 15, 20 years, and that's like starting from zero, we don't, you never knew you had a problem because you're on birth control. So acupuncture in general is exceptional in women's health, regulating women's, uh, your menstrual cycles, um, relieving cramps and pains, working with endometriosis and, and PCOS, which is polycystic ovarian syndrome and working with the reproductive reproductive um, system in general. And so I work alongside many medical professionals in the Western field and I respect what they do. And there's a lot of stuff that I can't do as an acupuncturist, but acupuncture can help your body reset and, and function, you know, in a more, in a more functional state and a uh, normal state. And I wouldn't say that acupuncture directly balances hormones, but it helps your body get to a place where it can regulate and and have um, regular hormonal function with maybe supplements, Chinese herbs, different things, dietary wise as well. And acupuncture is really great with um, relaxing and tapping into the parasympathetic nervous system. And in our society, we're on that go, 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 fight or flight all the time. And that's not conducive to hold a pregnancy. So acupuncture can help relax that it also sends blood flow to the reproductive system sends blood flow to the ovaries which is really great for egg cell re, um, rejuvenation and and so which can impact egg quality in addition to sending blood flow to the uterus to help thicken the uterine lining and to help with implantation and holding a pregnancy. I've, I've worked with people that have fibroids and we've worked together between dietary supplement and acupuncture to help shrink fibroids. Um, because during pregnancy, if you have one, it could be, it can be potentially dangerous to the pregnancy, but also could be painful. And there's not much that you can do with that. So acupuncture, there's so many things It also, there's been studies that show that um, if you're doing any type of Western intervention, IUI, insemination, in vitro, IVF, or medicated cycles, um, 
it can help up to 65% of the success rates for that as well. So depending on what route you're going, acupuncture can really, there's really no negative side effects of acupuncture and a negative impact of acupuncture with your fertility journey. So I always add, obviously I always advocate for it, but if you're really in it, I always say do everything that you can. Number one, get yourself to without being fully stressed out. Also be able to afford it and do all of it so that it can yield you the best results. That's mind blowing. I know it's like, so compelling. Why wouldn't you, you know? Um, sure. It's ama- that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, and I think that's one of the things that as I continue to do it, couples that come in, Oh, it's also exceptional for, for uh, male infertility, for mm-hmm. sperm function, for motility, for the morphology of sperm. And, and it can help. And I always say, if there's going to be a fertility issue, unless the men have no sperm, You treating male factor infertility is much simpler. Their women's f- reproductive systems are complex and intricate and wonderful because we're holding we're holding a pregnancy. But if we can, if it's a male factor thing, like that's something that can be addressed somewhat significantly easier. And so acupuncture helps with rejuvenating healthy new sperm with new cell growth, all of that as well. Wow. (laughs) And so I think that's why, you know, it's never boring. It's always challenging. Every couple comes in, they, you know, some of them have similar issues, but there's not one person that's exactly the same as the other. So do you, what, if a couple comes in, do you end up treating both of them or does it just depend on circumstances? Both. I, I really, even if there's no male factor and fertility issue, I really encourage the couples coming in together. Even if the female um, is coming in twice a week and their male partner is coming in once a week or once every other week, there's a lot of weight that falls on to us as females and pregnancy, holding pregnancies that it just by the partner showing up is really helpful because it takes, I mean, it takes two to tango and it's not an it's it's the beginning of a wonderful sometimes stressful sometimes devastating and sometimes really challenging but wonderful journey when you do have a child as well it takes two to it it takes a village and i think now in our society our partners are much more involved women are working as well, women own businesses as well. And so I can tell you that we have in my house, you know, is it 50-50 all the time? Probably not because being a, the mother, you know, a lot falls onto you, but I have a really wonderful partnership with my with my husband and so just by them starting off and showing up to appointments it speaks a lot and I think that it's really helpful. And sometimes I treat just the female and or just the male. But I really try to encourage couples coming in together uh, to some extent. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, it builds, as you're saying, like just the emotional support kind of built in um, through what what can be um, and often is a really kind of stressful 
experience. So Catherine and I have, have actually never received acupuncture before, and I'm not sure if any of our listeners have, but like, what, what can people expect from that experience from a session? Does it hurt? Like, you know, all of that stuff. So, uh, <laughs> so acupuncture in general shouldn't hurt. Mm. The needles are super fine and flimsy and like hair thin like. And so some areas, some acupuncture points may hurt more than others just because of the area that they're located in. Um, but uh, I always say that it's really like as if you're you're plucking an eyebrow hair, just like uh, the initial insertion. And sometimes patients don't even um, feel it. And they're like, oh, that was it. And sometimes my male patients are sweating. <laughs> um, and I mean, females too, you know, they get nervous too, but it's just funny how that happens. So it's, it's, it's very gentle. I treat pediatrics as well. So I was, I always say like, if I can put a needle in a five-year-old, a four-year-old, a six or seven-year-old, like you can do it. But, you know, I go gentle at pace because people do literal uh, gent legitimately have a fear of needles and I get that, but it's a completely different needle than, um, you know, taking blood, getting a shot, any of that. So it's fairly gentle. One thing that it does is a lot of my patients that are trying to get pregnant, you know, a lot of them tend to be type A, very stressed, very anxious, and it forces them to relax. The first session, they're like, what do I do? I'm not going to be able to relax. I said, Mm, try, you know, I, I, it, it's, it just try, you don't have to fall asleep. You can listen to a podcast. You can meditate. You can, you know, I have music going in the office, do your best. I always give them a little button. If you need anything, press it because it, their body needs time to relax. And, and so this kind of forces it. So a lot of my patients leave, they're very even calm. A lot of them fall asleep um, for the 40-ish minutes that that they're in there alone. So it's it's gen it's gentle mm -hmm. and effective. Mm -hmm. Wow. So it's about four 40-ish minutes. So so there's like the insertion and then there's the kind of like just laying or sitting with the marinating. Uh, marinating. Love it. Okay. And is there like and and I imagine it's different for every person, but like is there a a number of sessions typically that people um, have or you know, does it really vary? I, it, it, it greatly varies. It really greatly varies. And people, you know, they'll call and the first thing on the phone to set up an appointment, they're like, well, how much and how many sessions? Yeah. yeah. And my office manager is like, come in for a consultation. I, I need to hear what's going on before I can give you an idea of what we're looking at. I always say it's a minimum of three months. Mm -hmm. I see my patients twice a week, mm -hmm. a minimum of three months. Most of the time they're hooked and they see, I see them through their entire pregnancy. The It's not always twice a week. Um, acupuncture is wonderful in so many ways. And one of the down, you know, I guess downfalls, I don't even know that you would say it's a downfall, but because we're working with individual bodies, it's slower moving. Mm -hmm. It's not a medication that you're taking. So it takes time for your body to respond to it. So, I have patients that get pregnant in six weeks. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's not the norm. Um, and I have patients that get pregnant in eight 
months to a year. It depends on what you're going through. It depends on what's going on. Do I have to regulate their cycle? Some people come in and they don't have their cycle. So we have to get them a cycle. You know, there's, there's so many different variants that can, that, um, impact what that looks like. Makes so much sense, of course. Right. I'm sure it's similar into, in your talk therapy, like we don't, you don't know what you're working with until you know, and it's really hard to, to see what that will end up like yeah. and, and how quickly, you know, are they doing the other work on their own? Right. Are things of that nature that um, can impact the results of what we're working with? So mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a hard thing. And people are like, well, why can't you tell me? I was like, I don't, I'm, I wish I could let's start here. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's definitely our, our experience as well. And as you're saying, like everyone is so individual and so unique, there is not one, one size fits all when it comes to any, any of it, but yeah, we can, we can kind of come up with a a starting point and then go from there. Yeah. That's all we can do. Yeah, I said, you're not I'm not I'm not uh, tying you down here and you're not you don't have to be here forever. If you're unhappy, I want you to be happy. Mm -hmm. And another thing I say to my patients, I said, if getting to my office is stressing you out more than not, it's not the right thing for you, Mm -hmm. especially when we're working with fertility. Yeah, right. So. But it's it's varied. It really it's greatly varied. Mm -hmm. Is there, is there anything else that you want to add about your work to tell our listeners? Is there any, so a lot of like just simple questions that I get a lot is acupuncture safe during pregnancy. It's absolutely safe during pregnancy. Here's the disclaimer. You want to work with a practitioner that you know that has experience with pregnancy because there are points in our body that could move things a little bit more, especially in vulnerable times of pregnancy that you don't want. So you want to make sure that you have a practitioner that's experienced in pregnancy, fertility, and all of that. So acupuncture is safe all throughout pregnancy, getting pregnant, even postpartum. You just need to make sure just like in any field that you're you're working with somebody that has that experience, that has the, um, that specializes in that. You don't want to just go to a general one because they may take your insurance or because it's cheaper and I know that it's a financial investment, but going to the right facility, whether it's me or someone else, it, it can it can be a game changer for you, for your fertility journey. So I think that it, uh, number one, it's very safe during pregnancy. It's very helpful during pregnancy, and it's it's important to go to somebody that is practiced in that specialization. Just as like if somebody were to come to me for something that I'm not familiar or comfortable treating, I'm not going to take them on. I'm, you know, people come to me for weight loss. I was like, I'm not your, I'm not your girl. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I don't do that. And so I'm so sorry, but mm-hmm. that's not what I do. Or if somebody comes to me, they're diabetic. There are acupunctures that focus on that or eye disorders. That's not me. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy to refer out. So mm-hmm. just know where you're going. Well, can you also tell our listeners where they can find you? Absolutely. Uh, So you can find me physically in, I'm in the Hollandale Beach, Aventura area in Florida. 
and um, on online, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Dr. Andrea Acu and Wellness. I I'm pretty present on there. I'm I I have somebody that helps me like edit and do that stuff, but it's me. If you're going through my, you know, going into my DMs, <laughs> that's me. And so you, I'm really active there mostly. I've tried TikTok. I'm I'm too tired to, to, to do too many things. Um, but mainly active on Instagram. You know, you can find me on Facebook, the same Sofla Acupuncture and Wellness. And I have my website is Sofla Acupuncture and Wellness.com. And yeah, that's where you can find me. And I, I will just plug in here that your Instagram is not only entertaining, but uh, super <laughs> educational. I love all the videos. I'm glad. I'm, I'm so glad. I try. It's exhausting to, to keep up with social media. Holy moly. Oh, yeah. It really is. Yeah. yeah. And we'll and we'll make sure to link all of that in our um, show description as well and on our on our social media, too. All right, guys. Have Thank a good you. one. It was a pleasure meeting you. You yeah. too. Bye. Take care. Bye. OK, what a what an episode. I feel like I learned so much and there's so much more that I want to learn. Um, so we'll definitely have Andrea back with us to talk about all things women's health and health in general. She clearly has so much knowledge and experience. So stay tuned for an, an, a follow-up episode with her. But we do want to thank you for, for listening and for following along. Um, for all of those um, ratings and reviews, they really, really do help us and help us get our message out there and get get um, information out there and also help us have an understanding of what you're liking and what you want more of on this podcast. Um, we also appreciate the follows on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Um, make sure you're also following us on our YouTube channel, Revive Center for Wellness, where you can see full episodes of this podcast as well as our bonus weekly podcast, Reactivity TV, where we're giving our therapist takes to all of the trending shows and movies that you are watching. Go check that out. Um, also follow us on Instagram and threads at Revive CFW. You can follow Catherine at Catherine Van Eyck, me at Amy Albero LCSW. Check out our website, revivecfw.com and send us your emails to wishing you well at revivecfw.com. Until next time, we are wishing you well.